Millennium pools of gold. This is the Guild of Dungeoneering. All the monsters keep appearing. All to be a Dungeoneer. Whose stories will be told. What's that sound? I hear a noise. Something's coming, girls and boys. Run for the hills and fire away. For the Guild of Dungeoneering. Curse and swear, but don't despair. The way out of here must be over there. I think we're lost, but what do we care? We're the Guild of Dungeoneering. Hello and welcome to the 68th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Guild of Dungeoneering by Gambrinus. Tom, who are you and what do you do? Hi Chris, um, so I'm Colm Larkin, um, I'm the creator of Guild of Dungeoneering, um, it started out as just me but there's now five people working on the game. Wow. So you expanded by a factor of five. Mm, lots. lots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very, very quickly after I started, I, I teamed up with Fred, who's, who's the artist. Um, so it was two people in our free time for uh, about the first year. And uh, then started kind of picking up steam. And, you know, I got in with a publisher and was able to kind of pay a very small amount of money and get two more people, that kind of thing. Yes. And I believe this game... Well, oh, it's just out as well, yeah. Yeah, it's out, good, yeah, it's just out out. three weeks ago. Fantastic, which is exactly why I want to come on, because just to help you promote it. And many moons from now, we'll, we'll talk about it again, no doubt. Cool. Um, so, how did you make your start in the land of flashy, lutty video games? So, I, I started, we could really go back, I started when I was about six that's cool. And we had like we this. had a ZX Spectrum in the eighties. You did, you did. Yep. You had a forty-eight, the, you had a 48K rubber. No, we had the one twenty-eight K with oh. the with the fancier keyboard. Yeah, it I was, was like I, the next generation one. Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm very very old. I had an eighty-one, for example. Wow. And I graduated to a Spectrum. That's cool. Plus, but yeah, yeah, so, it was the plus we had exactly that one. Yeah, so um, oh, I was different sort of plus. But so as you know, you know, so I was I two older older brothers as well. So you know we'd we had this, that was our family computer, our first computer. And, you know, even when you had a game on a tape, you had to type run, you know, the game, the, the whole spectrum booted up. It was just a little like command line. Yeah. So you type run always. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get magazines that had, com- you know, computer code in them printed in work. the pages. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes, but you know, you'd spend hours typing them in and then see if they worked. Yes. So I mean, th- that, that's, I'm a programmer. That's what caused me to be a programmer, and that's what caused me to really love games as well. Um, but there was a long hi- hiatus, and it was um, around 2008. I decided I, w- I wanted to make games again, um, or so make games at all. So, were you working really. in the computing industry at the time? Yes, and you know, I'd gone to university computer science, and I was working in you know software engineering um, at that time. So, I I was trying to be sensible about it. I was trying to do it in my free time, and you know, I knew. It's very hard to make it in games. I knew I was just an amateur. Um, but anyway, so I, I tried to do it in my free time, and I kind of just kept failing. Um, pretty common story, you know, maybe biting off more than I could chew. 
tried to make bigger games than I was able to. Um, so I kind of, over the next five, six years, I had two projects that I made headway in, but then eventually abandoned. Um, and kind of what worked then for me was um, this thing called One Game a Month. It's kind of like a, a monthly game jam. Mm-hmm. And I started taking part in that in 2013 and was actually finishing games, small games. And it kind of gave me the the feeling that I could I could do this. So I, I took one of those prototypes and, and tried to make it into a real game that I could ask people for money for. That's my, <laughs> that's my uh, measure of a real game. Just to go back on that, I think the greatest achievement a developer can say, no matter what they've made, is that they've finished a game. Yes. Um, this sounds really ridiculous to people who don't make them, but to actually finish a game. Now, I mean finish. I don't mean, you know, have a routine where you have to type in some commands and then, you know, the level will come up and then it, you can start playing it. No, no, no. Menu, release, face, yeah. if just like something in its entirety that anyone can pick up and play and then stop and then they won't, it won't implode on them. You know, that's a complete game from start to finish. It's hard. It's very, very, very hard, yes. But, yeah, and so game, game jams for me helped, and they help a lot of people. You see a lot of great games come out now that, that started as a game jam prototype. Yeah. And, the, you know, there's a good reason, you know, you're forced to finish something, so you have to, you know, you can't end a game jam and go, yeah, no, we have this great, like, design document. No, they throw you things know, at you. They would throw things at you. Right. But you feel like a failure as well. So, yeah. I mean, you're, you're incentivized to get something interesting or fun working. Yes, and that's that worked for me for, with game jams. Though actually, the really the prototype that became Gilded Engineering is still playable on my website. If um, if you look up gambernest dot com, uh, click on games. There's a Dungeon Delver little rough prototype. It's terrible. It's not fun at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, there was a concept there, but it wasn't by itself a fun concept. No, but it, it gave birth to what we're about to talk about, which is yes, fantastic. yeah, fantastic. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I mean, what do you think of it as a programmer? What do you think? What do you make of the the change, the the, the barrier of entry lowering quite a lot? Are you okay with that? Do you resent it? Do you? Think I love it. Yeah. No, I think it's great. Um, so I mean, it, you know, from one point of view, say to be a viable business, maybe it's harder. Yes. You know, there's more more great games coming out every Yes, sure. really good games. As a gamer, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I said this to a developer once. Look at Hotline Miami, okay? I know, a completely different game to what you made. That was made primarily using Game Maker, for yeah. pity's sake. <laughs> but, you know, that wasn't their... There's no way that was their first day on Game Maker as well, no, you know? No, that That is a great game. That's that is really, a really good. Tremendous. Um, but I think it's brilliant, you know, as yeah. a gamer, obviously. There's yes. so many cool games. But I think even as a developer, okay, it's a little harder maybe to, like stand out but it's easier than ever to get published so um only four years ago you could have a great game that people would talk about you know you could have like broken through the barrier of being heard about but if you weren't on steam you you actually you kind of had trouble selling your game in in any significant way and you couldn't get on steam for the vast majority of people no no so i much prefer it i totally fine with the day we released in july uh, 14 games launched on Steam. Yeah. But that's totally fine. That's, that's okay. 
I'd okay. much prefer that than if I'd released back in 2008, which was zero games were released that day, including mine on Steam. I cannot believe how fast technology has changed over the past 10 years uh, as regards to video games. It's astonishing. Look at 10 years ago, the Xbox 360 was just on the brink of coming out. Think about it. <laughs> it's just insane. Gmail just came out that year. Gmail just came, yeah. No one knows it's like Facebook so, was only about a year old in in Ireland yes. anyway. There was uh, no was, iPhone. Yeah, there was no iPhone. <laughs> you know, the whole mobile phone market was completely different to what it is now. The mobile platform was completely different to what it is now. So yeah, it's sobering to think that things have changed so dramatically over such a short period of time. Uh, God knows what things are going to be like ten years from now. <clears throat> and the um, yeah the. Uh, Consoles play space. Well, I hate using that horrible trite phrase, but that's in a very different place as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of a similar journey where now people like me can get published on consoles. No problem. Yeah. It's easy now. Exactly, I mean, yeah. It's still a little bit hard, but it's nothing like what it used to be. No. It was basically, you, you just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, they didn't no. have good digital sales. No. Even when they did, they were doing it, you know, kind of wrong. Like, you know, Fez not being able to patch it. <laughs> God, and that's that's quite recent, actually. That's yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. quite recent. Yeah. yeah, before that, there was just no digital yeah. version of console games, and they, they had a limit on 150 megabytes of size. Remember, and that sort of stuff. And like, yep. there's a huge, you know, like, why are you limited? It's just so frustrating. Like, okay, well there you go. <laughs> and on Xbox, they limited the price you could charge. Yes. So I think it was about ten, maybe fifteen. Was the you know euro pounds, whatever it is, oh. that was the most you could charge. Which was sending a terrible signal. Yeah, it was. You know, these games are worse than the other games. That's right. They're not real. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It so is. yeah, you know, even just a few years, it's it's become easier. Right. To publish. Okay. So you are definitely graduated from the land of um, game jams, or at least they infused you with um, uh, how to start, finish, and start, middle, and end of a, a game. And its creation, and now you're here um, making them and releasing one and talking about your first one, which is awesome. So, noting that, what are your influences as a creator? Um, probably nowadays, my prime thing would be board games. Right. Um, Any particular favourites that immediately spring to mind? Oh, so many. Um, I play a lot of Netrunner. You do. Card I game. haven't got in. I know. I, it's I, fantastic. It's. I haven't got into it because it's a living card game, and I, I bristle a little bit, saying, "Well, which yeah. do I need to get to get a decent?" Particularly now, you yeah. know, it's out a couple of years. I'm looking over. I, <laughs> my <laughs> my wife comes in to the office sometimes and looks at all the like you know little boxes of netrunner cards yeah and she says why don't you make a scam game like that <laughs> <laughs> and i you know i laugh i'd say i'd love to but yeah. then i also laugh i say you don't know like this is the better version of the scam game like a collectible card game yes. is the real scam that's just the real scam. yeah and so yeah but the design of the game is amazing you know it's yeah. asymmetrical so you're very different play styles on either side and the bluffing it's lovely it's really okay. nice I've been wanting to, like I said, uh, I keep on looking at my wallet and it just, it's threatening me. It's actually throwing things at me when I think about it, uh, you could, if, if it was sent to By its design, because it's asymmetrical, everyone has to make two decks. Yes. So you could just play with a friend, play you know, one deck against each other. 
I understand. Yes, you, so could, you could definitely try it without owning anything. Yes, I, I, I remember a very large board game group. Although they shun two-player games because it creates little cliques of people and they don't like two-player games. So um, this is the way the, the, the board game group works, which is fine. It's yeah. why I don't allow CCGs because CCGs force people to create little cliques. And like, no, don't don't do that. The only thing, the only exception we had for that. Do you know the the train games, the eighteen XX games, like eighteen? You ever heard of those? No, I don't know them. No, they're really, really, really odd. They like a more complex ticket to ride. No, the far there's money involved. Your shareholders in a franchise for it's like oh god, it's horrible for me anyway. But yeah, they had a group of there's about four people in the group, and this this we have six thousand members. And there's these four people who keep on playing this game. And they would sit in the corner and we like, don't get close to that corner one because you'll get infected. <laughs> uh, it's a very, very complex um, economic strategy simulation game. Think of a, the worst ever German, not German, Euro game you could think yeah. of. And then multiply that by 10. And then you, it's, that's about, it's an 18xx game. By all means, look them up and board game geek and run away in, in terror. <laughs> Um, so, so your influence, obviously, especially for uh, Guild of Engineering, is this the the, the playing of of, of of card games. Are and you more for- all board games? I mean, yeah. The last ten years, board games have gone really good. Yes, I think got, they, they, we we always liked board games. We liked Games Workshop games around that same time as the ZX Spectrum. Yeah, um, it's things like HeroQuest, and then graduated from to all things from there, but. Recently, games are amazing. They so are. They are. they're just great. I've, I've, you know, I've got non-gamers to play now. I've got my wife playing games, old board games. Yeah. Um, and they're just much better than they used to be. Yeah, and, Ticket, Ticket to Ride yeah. is a great example of that. It's lovely, yeah, and it's easy to pick up. Yeah. Satisfying. You're you're always playing. You know, like you're not eliminating people, and it's a cool game. So yeah. I mean, that's a really good example of just the quality of design in in board game land. Yeah. And it's something I look at and aspire to, yeah. and you can see it in Gilded Engineering. We're we're trying to, like we're very transparently aping board game stuff in in uh, Gilded Engineering. But the whole approach of doing things that board games do well is something I want to do in Gambrinus. Yes, I, I I can see the simplicity. It's, it's just that analog feel of placing the card down, reading the cards, and. Well, I, I, I said to someone else, about, uh, the previous guest, about this, um, the fact that you can take a card, write something on it, take another card, write something else, something else on it, and then that card interacts with the other card in a certain way. <laughs> and that, I know he basically pointed out, that's programming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it is. But it just amazes me that you can do that. I, I, like, uh, I like some of the real life, um, I like the intrinsic properties of cards that everyone understands. Yes. So, um, you know, everyone can, we're kind of use a lot of cards in Gilded Engineering to do stuff, and there's some slight deck building. Um, So everyone understands, you know, when you add one powerful card to your deck and then add 10 weak cards as well, you're less likely to draw that powerful card. Ah. And we don't have to explain that. That just makes sense. Because that's how cards, you know, they're physical. There's only one of each in the deck. Yes. So, you know, we have, we have some negative cards that do nothing. They're blank. And we have certain, so a lot of, you get cards from items. So a lot of items have some powerful cards and some of these negative cards. And right. it's really obvious. We, we don't have to explain that mechanic. No, it's, it's in your face. Yeah. So that's, that's a nice thing just because we're using cards, that kind of thing. So 
moving swiftly on then, in the realm of uh, video game creation, who do you most admire? Do you think? Who's the people? Gosh. Um, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, I know. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm quite holistic about it, that I kind of try and play a lot of different games and I follow and read a lot of different people. Mm. Um, I don't really have a favorite. Um, <laughs> I have a favorite game, but I actually don't know who are the main designers behind it. You know, uh, Hearthstone? Hearthstone? Well, it's Blizzard. Oh, yeah, it's Blizzard, but I don't know the specific people. No, um, I don't think they do either. Um, yeah, it's... But what is but it about a, Hearthstone, then? I mean, I, I've got my ideas about why it's so great. So to me, there was kind of quite a lot of hype when, late last year because it was in closed beta and I couldn't get in. But I was reading about it. It seemed pretty cool. When I got in, I remember playing my first game of it and I said to myself, is this it? <laughs> it's too simple. It's like, it's too basic. Yeah. Um, but that is what I like about it. It seems simple, but it's really well designed. It has lovely layers, really kind of incredible balance and depth to it that yeah. are just something I, I think every game designer should play it and play it a good bit and see what, what makes it so special. Yeah, um, for me, I actually did play the analog game for World of Warcraft. That they've, they took all the art from, wasn't it? Yeah, well, no, they took the game. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> it's I exactly, never played it. Yeah, it's exactly the same game. Uh-huh. Uh, so when I was sitting there then, and I was looking at these rules, this seems for, oh my God. <laughs> this, they've, and then, you know, that game, that card game no longer exists because of this reason. Uh-huh. They just took it. So when then, I was sitting, I'm guessing here, but I'd say it was a, like, card game company designed that, not yeah. Blizzard. Yeah. It's usually yeah. the way it goes. Yeah. So, yeah. It's. I actually prefer it over Magic because it's more straightforward. You've got the fact that your avatar isn't you, but a card in front of you, uh, and you just basically you knock off the, the the health as it went down, and you could build decks around characters and particular classes. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> and that's a nice mechanic. It is. It's mm. glorious. And we have we have that in Gilded Engineering. You know, you have classes, and they they each have a little starter deck. Yes, it's different. Do. Yeah, so that, that's very true. Um, so there's an inspiration there. So yeah, Blizzard, and and it is also an exquisitely beautiful looking game. Yes, um, uh, that's the, the actually the other side of it is it's a uh, like a tour de force of um, reactive interface. It's yeah, so, everything. Yeah, everything is sparkling it's for and new nice. designers. Yeah. You know, open it up. Watch how the cards come out. Look at what happens when you mouse over a card. You know, really carefully. Like, oh, they, uh, you know, zoom it up, and when you go off it, it, it disappears over like you know, point two of a second. That stuff, you'd be surprised how much that adds to your happy feeling when you're playing a game. It is, yeah. That that feedback loop, which you you probably know from an intellectual understand. You understand it intellectually, but you to to actually implement it is is. That's another thing entirely. To actually, and that's what they do. They spend hours, not hours, years, yeah, focusing on these things. That's, that's why they are what they are, you know. And they also have the courage to go. You know what? Let's not make that. We spent four years on this. I know. Let's just stop making this. Why? Because it's crap. But but no, it's crap. <laughs> you know that was that that Project Titan that that MMO they were working on for. 
a very mm. long time and then said, yeah, you know, this, maybe not. <laughs> They're an impressive company, really, because they've made yeah. very few missteps. Very few. Very few. It's really impressive. Maybe some bits of StarCraft, too. But anyway, <laughs> it's a discussion for another time. Um, what are you playing right now? Other than... Other than Hearthstone, which actually <laughs> is being played. <laughs> um, I go back to a, a game called World of Tanks, if I want to just blow stuff up for a little bit. I've tried that. Um, it's funny. It's free to play. It is. But it's done in a good way where the game is fun. So my, my problem, I do have a problem with many free-to-play stuff, particularly on mobile, mm. where the intrinsic game isn't fun. Yes. It's the, the, the framework around it, you know, collecting or just playing every day or, you know, the thing that they're then trying to get you to, to pay for or to pay to improve. Yeah. If it's not on a thing, like whatever the core game is, if that's not fun, then I, I get really annoyed at them. Yeah, I think the best example of that is uh, there's worse than than uh, free to play. There's what I call play, a pay to function. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now the uh, dungeon pay keep- to take away the yeah. the awful pain. Yeah. Dungeon Keeper was was that. Um, that that was sad. That was very it, sad. It was a reboot of such a lovely franchise. Yes. Yeah, that was. But everyone blew up about that, which was good. Well, you know the person who complained to the ASA the Advertising Standards Association about them. That was you? That was was me. (laughs) 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 And I'm proud of that fact because I'm like, well, I know who to complain to about this because this is wrong. And I said, well, this is wrong. And it may be, you know, it raised, a lot of people spoke about it. Um, Mostly positive. There was one naysayer who was lambasted, thankfully. Um, But, uh, actually defending EA's position like why it's just it's terrible this is just you couldn't play it it was it didn't function it didn't function as intended so well um, I have actually tried World of Tanks but the uh, I didn't have a great time initially because uh, new players you know hostile environment it's like you know League of Legends <laughs> very very toxic so I, I didn't know exactly what I was doing so I got attacked by the, the other players for not knowing what I was doing because I was a new player which I never understood. Yeah, it's a bummer when when communities get like that. Yeah, it's like without new players, your game will die. You understand that, don't you? You were once a new player, right? You understand that. You must empathise as people who have never played this game before. But apparently this is some weird like bravado saying, no, I've got a bigger dick than that man because or person because I played this game longer than they have. Well, yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Never understood that mentality. It's also, you know, there's a lot of multiplayer games now coming out with no no chat. We'll go back and say it hurts down again. You know, you, you don't have a direct way to interact with people, and so you don't have the opportunity to be rude to them. No. Look at Journey. Yeah. That, that whole game, which is one of my favorites about yourself, but Journey is just the only way to communicate is through a tone. <laughs> Uh, and it was great it's cool it was cool and uh, to help others to get through the level was just so so satisfying um it you know i'm sad to hear that journey pretty much destroyed that game company (laughs) its creation um which is sad very sad i didn't realize that yeah it took a toll took a massive Mm. toll uh on the people and the creators of that game which doesn't show in the game at all but apparently a lot of 
things and words were said between them that couldn't be unsaid and uh, they had to go their separate ways. Very sad. It's very sad. Uh, which, when I ever play it, I always tinge because I know that most people don't, but I know it. Like, oh, sad. Yeah. So to, for such a creative endeavour, such a magnificent creative endeavour, to uh, be blighted by that, it's, it's not. It's not good. Anyway, on to much happier things, because that's the first half of the show over. Yay! <laughs> See, look, that's the first level done. Second level now. It gets really tough. Um, where we go in the second half of the show where we talk about Guild of Dungeoneering. What is Guild of Engineering? Sure. So I mentioned this before. I've gotten a lot of practice with this yes. little pitch. But, and sometimes it's actually changed as I talked about it over the last couple of years. But it's essentially kind of a reverse roguelike um, or dungeon crawler because you're not you don't have direct control of your hero. No. So you, instead you're building the dungeon around them. You're kind of like the DM. But unlike Dungeon Keeper, which you know, at first glance, you might think it's that kind of game. You are on their side. You do want them to win, but it's about managing the experience and making sure they level up, um, but are fighting tough enough monsters to get good loot to take on the boss or whatever. Uh, and then outside that, that's the core experience. We have kind of a meta game, which is managing the guild. Re- really, that's around the progression and unlocks and getting new toys. And you you, you expand a bigger, larger area and you go into other dungeons around. Yeah, yeah. Around the place where the guild is located. Yeah. And uh, but the way you play is always you're you're taking on a dungeon and you build it out and uh, there's deck building there as well because the the battles is all card based. So it kind of reminds me a lot of the whole atmosphere, at least when I play it, because it's, it's laced with fantastic humour. Thanks. Song, the songs in it are very funny. They are great. Yeah. It's so good and uh, really well performed as well. Um, but um, that thing that really that's the one thing that struck me but have you, have you seen Acquisitions Incorporated I haven't but the no. name rings a bell yeah it's um, it's basically Penny Arcade they do a D&D campaign they did it over podcasts oh was, someone, they, someone else has mentioned that to me yeah and I've, I've also, never looked at it though they also do a live stage show of them playing Dungeons and Dragons um, and I've been to it a couple of times now uh, at PAX. Cool. And uh, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, there's also various sort of things that happen, like whenever they say the words green flame, everyone in the audience yells green flame. <laughs> um, and somehow they managed to get... I mean, you think watching people play D&D cannot be entertaining. Oh, yes, it is. I mean, they have the cameras pointed over their character sheets and when they roll the dice... 
when they roll a one, everyone's going nuts. And when they roll a 20, everyone goes nuts. <laughs> uh, and the reason I raise this point is that it, this they are a troop. <laughs> they are, that's the name of their character, the, the, this adventuring pack. Troop. A troop of, of um, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Of course cool. they are. That's their, their purpose in life is to get stuff. That's actually pretty similar, as you've seen, then to the the kind of role we cast you in in Gilded Engineering, which is yeah. very cynical <laughs> runner of this guild, uh, manager of this guild, and you're yeah. kind of bringing in, you know, almost interns from the tavern, saying, "Yeah, you're welcome to the guild. Uh, you don't need any equipment into no. the dungeon, and we'll yeah. see if you make it back." Yes, you do. Yeah, good job. Okay, so <laughs> it is a bit of. Uh, this reminds me of that humor. So I do recommend check out some stuff on YouTube and stuff. It might inspire you a bit for the expansion. Oh, spoiler there. We can talk about it later. Um, uh, that uh, you're working on. But uh, we'll just it's just about, you know, having that humor, glacing the game with humor, but also having that idea that you are managing a group of stuff acquires. People are acquiring stuff. And humor is risky oh, yeah. in a game. Because if you're just making jokes... You've heard them, you know, yeah. obviously, once you've heard them once. Um, so we're kind of, maybe it's like kind of world building. So the the theme of the guild and everything, all the all the things add to it, that's where the humor is. It's hopefully not in just one-off jokes. No. It's, it's all the silly stuff layering on top of each other, you know. From the items you find, you'd be fighting with a twig and a fork <laughs> to the songs. So there's the little bard cuts in when you win or lose and he's kind of mocking you. Yes. I've noticed that. So it's just, you know, we we very much up front, it, this is a silly game, you know. We're, <laughs> oh, we're yeah. going to make fun of D&D. We're going to make fun of you for playing it, and we're going to, you know, all of that. Um, but I, it's come together really well. I'm very happy with that side of it. What I find myself doing is I'll be diving into, I love my RPGs. Okay? Don't judge me. But I love my RPGs. But I, you know, I'll play Skyrim and stuff like that, and I've talked about playing Skyrim in the show before, and, how I play it wrong because I'm focused. I don't get distracted by shiny things. I know weird, so I tell you, plow on my very fo- focused furrow. But it's very, it's very po faced. It's not a lot of humour there. So yeah, it's true it, in a lot of fantasy RPGs. Yeah, very serious. Very serious. Sometimes you get a little bit of humour, and uh, you know, Baldur's Gate had a bit of that with you know, little space hamster called Boo. That yeah. was that was great. You know, and that was one of you know one of the things I remember greatly about that game. And they've done a great job with the remake as well. Is that you know it's a little bit of humour. It's like a little light relief that you can't trust. You can't touch that space hamster because he's he's boo. Um, and it's great. And I like that they you know they reference that in that that character's Minsk hard to name, hard to say name in his voice lines. You know, yeah, go, go for the eyes, boo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was good. Like that's reinforcing that same joke. It's great. It is. Yeah, it's cool. So. I'm going to move on now to the more proper first question, and this is the this one is an obvious one. It springs out of me, but I want you to explain why the art style it borders on little more than sketches drawn on the back of a cigarette packet. <laughs> why? Um, not, that's, that's not criticism. That's no, no, description I, of what it is. Yeah, I love I love the art style. <laughs> yes. um, I, I'm not the artist either, so I'm not. I know you're not, but you might um, be myself yeah. on the back yeah. here. Um, so I started by myself for the, kind of the first month and was kind of improving on this really rough prototype. And I was just using free uh, some free tile sets I, I'd found. 
But I knew if I'm going to charge money for the game, it needs to at least have original art. Yes. Um, and I started looking around for an artist to partner with, and I ended up uh, teaming up with Fred, um, who is an old friend of mine. But I was also looking... I actually asked him, did he know someone? And uh, it turns out he was interested himself. Um, and it's worked out really well. Um, but essentially, I was also thinking, what if I don't find someone? I was thinking, you know, with the theme and the silly ideas and the, the board game references, I was thinking, what if I just got square paper, drew on it, and scanned in these just really homemade, and in my case, they'd be quite bad homemade um, drawings, uh, and just make that, you know, the joke that yeah. this is a completely homemade board game. Um, it's the inverse of Fantasy Flight. <laughs> yeah. Everything they do, you go, okay, do that right. We do it, then. So, so that very idea of just kind of really homemade look, I said that to Fred when, when he started, and he basically came back the next day with this look that we have in the game now. So it's, it's just the, the lovely... Um, talented artist version of that kind of home, homemade sketchy feel yes it looks like oh i could draw that and then when you try like oh there's yeah some- i mean i mean there's a <laughs> it's funny you know so even the logo we have this lovely logo for the game yeah uh, F- fred drew that on a notebook and sent me a picture of it and i was like that is cool and then he what he does is he goes into illustrator or something and like painstakingly makes it look like a drawing yes but it's very high quality then. Um, so it's, it's funny. <laughs> it is. And I just want to, because that's one of the things that immediately struck me about it. Because I first saw the game at Rezd uh, this year. Oh, cool. And I, was so I didn't go to Rezd, but uh, you might have met two of the people who worked on it, either yeah. Ollie or Owen were there. Yes, yeah, they were giving out a million pounds. <laughs> yeah. In these, in these notes from yeah. some... Central African dollars. Yeah, dollars, yeah. And it was like, it might be pounds, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was... No, no longer a valid currency. No. <laughs> I'm afraid if you won one of those. Sorry, guys. If you get through the... And I didn't get through the dungeon because what, my, my, my problem with it when I, I sat there, I mean, it, it, it was very charitable. It was going, yeah, you, you, you'd be kind of exposing yourself there because I just... problem is when you're playing a first-level character, you think, oh, you know, the game's kind of forgiving. It'll be fine. Um, it's, yeah, we do, uh, we do let yourself let yourself shoot yourself you know oh, yeah you are the dm but you can very much put down a monster that will definitely kill you so to my second question is was it always the way was that 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 sort of risk reward which is something we've built into ourselves and also when you're playing an rpg you go oh nothing can kill me this is you know this is just teach me how to play the game oh, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm dead already but that doesn't make any sense so was that always the intention um, yeah, so I mean, this is where it kind of takes from roguelikes. Hmm. So in roguelikes, it's very easy to die. And generally, the thing that levels up is you, the player. You, you start to know. So you'll see a dragon at level one and you'll avoid them. Now, good roguelikes have decent progression, so it doesn't happen on the very first stumble. But uh, that idea that you can die and dying is how you learn the game. That's something we, we took, took on, and uh, we actually made it. You know, there's progression, but there's very little penalty for, for dying. You can jump straight back in. Yes, super mutant. So that let us make it difficult, or let it make, you know, let you just horribly kill your guy by accident. You know, because you don't lose, you know, half an hour of leveling him up, or, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. 
Okay. So, you know, uh, taking away the kind of penalty for losing, let us really make it difficult. Yes. And to me, that, that felt very satisfying, and I liked it. It's unusual. Oh, and that's the problem when I sat down, oh, I, can, I, I think I've got the measure of this. I'll play through the first levels, and I'll, I'll be fun- Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I just but I wasn't prepared for that, and it was really refreshing to see. Uh, and it kind of also let us be very transparent. Right. So we try, no, we need to improve on this. We try and explain everything. Mm. And, you know, it, you see that in battle, the monster plays their card first and you can see exactly what it's going to do. And you're, you're playing your card second and you're, you're kind of, yeah, yeah, there's a few exceptions. <laughs> uh, but you're trying to kind of manage your hand and your deck and your life to, to, to counter what they're doing at each step. That's, that's the battle system. And uh, I like that because it's, you know, can you see more strategic these... than, than skill-based. Can you see my questions? Because that's weird. <laughs> this happens all the time when I'm having interviews. There's somehow this prescience. Like, how does he know I'm about to ask about a combat system? Here we go. The combat system then. Um, see, it does flow. Could you expand on that? Because it's very odd. Uh, not so very odd, but it's, it's, um, it, does, it, it forces the character to typically... Expose themselves and risk themselves uh, with with the hope that they will actually overcome. Did you want to talk through it through it with? Yeah. It a bit? Um, so by late last year, there was no no combat system. Um, Heroes and monsters just had you know RPG like stats, and right. when it was a battle that it was automated. They just kind of oh. the plan the planet to make it something. You know, it was always about you wanted to spec up your hero. Right, and you could have certain builds, and you know, think of traditional RPG stuff. So, like, am I going to be you know dexterity based or strength based or magic? Um, and those particular builds might be good or bad against certain monsters. That was always the the idea. Um, but you know, we'd already taken away so much control because you don't control where your hero moves uh, directly. Um, that I basically just made the decision that we needed something that you took control over, and the combat system made the most sense. Um, so scrapped the stats system and just went with this idea of combat moves represented mm-hmm. by cards, so attacks essentially. Yeah. Um, and the f- very first version of that I put together, and it was ready in January, and we, we brought it to our first big show, PAX South in, in Texas. Um, but it was actually terrible. I mean, it was okay, but it was much worse than what's in the game now, because uh, it was kind of... Uh, you both players, you and the monster, played your card face down, mm-hmm. and it was kind of rock paper scissory. In that, at at the start of every fight, you only had three moves, and they were always the same moves. Kind of like a, I think it was attack, block, and focus, and it was kind of like, oh, if you choose the right one against their one, you get a big advantage, and you kind of drew your special moves. Oh, right, okay. deck. Um, and it was just the first draft of this idea, mm. and those special moves came from equipment, so that's still true. Uh, but basically, the playing rock paper scissors against a computer is no fun. No, playing against another person is fun because you get to tease them when when you yeah. outguess them. Um, so it was just a bad design. Um, but in January, I uh, hired Ollie, who you might have met mm. at Rezd, and his task was just game design for us. And that was his first job. Was we have this idea, which is these card based battle, but it's just not working. Uh, so he he actually prototyped it all out on paper. Right. And 
came up with the idea of the monsters showing what they're doing first and then came up with this very, very tight battle system uh, that we then built on. And I really like it. Um, yeah, it makes or breaks um, RPGs. Yeah, and it's uh, it's really well balanced. There's a lot of fights. I think you mentioned it there where you're you're waiting to draw something that'll win it for you. Yeah. That's it's good. Just, I like that. It's just like, oh, that's crap. What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. It's got to be something, you know. But... but So this is where the deck building gets really good. So yeah. I think it's when you start with something tight like that, um, then you can layer on it really nicely. So, for example, when you get a better class, they have better starting decks. But, you know, it's only a matter of, you know, a couple extra points of damage in a couple of cards. You know, they're not completely outclassing them, but that makes a huge difference because the the you know the monsters are so so balanced against you. And the same thing as you level as you level up and find equipment in a dungeon run, that equipment grants you special cards. Um and they're kind of themed around skills. So you get equipment that gives you fire levels in the fire skill. That gives you progressively better fire themed cards. So there's this whole whole feel of kind of um, specializing your character within each dungeon run. That's fantastic. Just that little nuance is important. Having those layers, it's important because then it shows shows you've actually put a lot of effort and depth and, and considered depth into the game, which you look at it objectively from the outside in, it's like, well, this is nice and simple and, and friendly and, and nice. And then you sit down and play it and go, oh, oh God, no, it's this is... There's a lot more to this than meets the eye. And I like that. I like that as a player. I like when I can just play and not care, but that the the depth reveals itself as I get more yes. um, more in tune with the game. So one problem I have with RPGs, and I love RPGs, so um, I don't know if you've played Divinity Original Sin. came out earlier not, in the year. Yeah, I got distracted by Pillars of Eternity. So. Okay, yeah, I haven't played that yet, but that's on my list. But basically, if you... If you li- if you want a mod, I think I've heard the same thing about Pillars of Eternity. But if you liked Baldur's Gate and you want a modern version of it, yeah. definitely check out Divinity Original Sin. It's a really lovely game. But one problem I have with it, if I this happened to me, so I played it, I don't know, the first month, and I went back to it a few weeks ago, and like I couldn't play. I had to relearn the whole game. You know, I had to look at every piece of equipment on each character. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I killed a monster and it dropped some loot, and I was like, oh, I can't remember if. Who's, who this is good for? What, yeah, you know. can't remember a thing. And then I'm looking at my inventory. It's got like a hundred different things in there. Yeah. So there's this this problem yeah. with complexity that you have to store a lot of it in your head. And yeah. when you leave a game for a while, it's very daunting to come back and kind of puts me off. So yeah, you get to the point where like, I've got to start like, again, oh. I? I've got to start yeah, again. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And that's disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, I had I mean, to. Yeah, I had yeah. To, it's also what makes the game interesting as well. You know that complexity. Yeah. Yeah. So that you know the other side of Gilded Engineering is it's very approachable. The yes, yeah. you know even the fact that we reset your characters on each dungeon run, which can be contentious. A lot of a lot of people because of the expectations of RPGs that you get to keep your your loot and your levels. Um, you know, complain after playing the game. They say, you know, change that. And, you know, that's kind of what makes the game unique in my point of view. Yeah. That, and, yeah, it's a different approach. But to me, I I've, I like it. You can come back to Gilded Engineering. You don't need to remember all your loot. You can just go for another dungeon run and see what happens. Yes. 
I mean, and, uh, I completely empathise with that, and that's something that's drawn me to it too. Is how you can just sit down and go, "What was I? What, what did I need that purple potion for? I'm um, clearly kept it for a reason, but it doesn't seem to do anything." And now it's just like, "Well, there's no. It's all gone because the, the manager takes it <laughs> as as you know payment for services rendered." Uh, I guess. Um, so my final question. Um, is equipment and how the player and the avatar has the, its stuff drawn on him or her. Oh, yeah. That's a really nice touch. Was that always there? So, yeah, that's that's been there from, from the beginning. So there's just one artist, Fred, um, and he's actually only doing this on weekends. He has a full-time job in Australia. He's a, a art director for an ad agency. Um so we had, it, this is the first time we worked on a game. But um, one thing we've done really well, I think, is leverage art. So um, the game seems like it's like, you know, lots of animations, lots of things are happening. It, I believe it's, you know, it's got some of that loveliness that Hearthstone does with the, you know, you, you, when you put a room, it's drawn, it's kind of scribbled in. Um, when characters fight each other, they bounce and move and stuff. Yeah. Um, but all of that is cheated, every single bit. So um, there's no, you know, traditional animation of anything. No. It's, it's all done programmatically. Um, so we just, you know, cheat every which way to kind of leverage uh, essentially flat artwork. Um, and this kind of paper doll effect, it's, it's the same thing. So um, that's, you know, there is work involved in drawing every single um, helmet, but it's not that much more work to take the helmet that you show and every you know because everything's on a card in the game. It is, so when you yeah. find a helmet, you have a little card with a picture of the helmet. So we you know almost always take that exact same art and just fit it in the right position on the character kind yeah. of paper doll. And so when you equip it, it appears on you. Yeah, he's, he's holding a fork with There's a the pigeon fork. nest on his. Yeah, exactly. Head. And that that wasn't that hard. You know, when, right. you know the hard part was drawing it once. You know. Re- repurposing it and making sure it fits on the character so, you know sometimes they're just uh, it's just about positioning it's it's like a nice satisfying uh, detail that, yeah you could have just left the avatars or not even everything there at all or have some like oh no it's just left but it's just such a nice touch to go because that doesn't happen in regular card games I've played games like Munchkin and true yeah and, and you're just like well I've got this big axe apparently but it's on a card there but my character's actually over here and <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a nice thing we can do because it's d- digital, you know. Yeah, it's just not possible, and that's that's happening a lot now with other games. There's a game called Soulforge, which I think has a similar. I've played thing. that, yeah. Yeah, it's basically kind of got the cards leveling up. He has the cards leveling up because yeah, you can. Why be, would be really annoying if you were swapping in cards, <laughs> exactly. physical cards. Yeah. Whereas in this game, well, it's a video game. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, another example is um, we had them on uh, Zen Pinball. The people who make Zen Pinball. I don't know that one. Yeah, it's a pinball simulator, but it's mm-hmm. not because they do things with the board. Cool. Or the, they make the board change. They or, made, they yeah, made, dynamic. They do weird things like this is not. I know, but oh, it's a good. video game. So they just make this hybrid of, and that's what you've done. Yeah, you know? and that's cool. Like I bet you they're leveraging all the knowledge you come in going i know how pinball works yeah I flippers and i hit a ball yeah and then they layer in stuff that you can only do in a digital format i mean yes. that's 
that's a really good basis for a game. It's fantastic. It's still one of my favourites. It's like, oh, what shall I play? And you're sitting there, you know, you've got too many games to play. <laughs> like, I've got nothing to play. We've all had that horrible thing. Um, but yeah. I was sitting, oh, I'll just play some pinball. <laughs> and, it's just, and it's just great. It's just, you know, it's this nice little thing to do. And uh, and they keep on releasing table after table after table. And they're all, for the most part, pretty good. Uh, some better than others, as with anything like that. But, um, yeah, they are such a, a delight to play and to see ridiculous things. It's particularly like the Marvel superhero ones, they're quite good. I'm <laughs> uh, not particularly a Marvel fan, but they do weird things with them. But uh, Anyway, pinball card games. I just wanted to get that out of you, that you've done something that it looks like a card game, but actually does things the card game couldn't do unless you started getting scissors out and chopping bits really chopping of your cards. up your cards yeah. exactly people Would get annoyed you... by that <laughs> yeah well unless you're playing Risk Legacy then you're supposed to do it <laughs> uh, so Guild of Dungeoneering it's out on Windows PC Mac and that's it that's it just those two but probably our next platform will be tablets and phones okay that will so work exceptionally. That will work. You know, it's all turn-based. You can stop for as long as you want. Nothing happens. Um, it's short sessions. You know, each quest run takes five to 20 minutes probably. Mm. And it's, you know, all that long-term progression is saved. You know, you're unlocking. It'll work in this. Small, it will work, yeah. Yeah, the small form factor of a phone. Because I've got a, still got a five, 5S. Uh, I'm gonna get a success. I've got a four. Yeah, <laughs> so you know what it's you know what it's like. Yeah. It's like this little form factor, which I actually prefer that kind of smaller screen. I did have a larger screen phone for a while with an S2 Galaxy S2 until. Uh, I say I, I don't do that much gaming on the phone. No, okay. apart from a game called Ascension, which is a port of an actual card game. Yes, I've got that. I know it's a good know, game. I like that. So that's I'd love, I'd love I'm happy to play that on the phone because I know it so well. Yeah. But I, I tend to go to iPad for. For a lot of gaming okay yeah i mean ascension works really well i prefer playing on the ipad than the phone uh, you can see uh, the cards better yeah yeah but I, i'm at the point where i know it so well it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love playing that game but I'm not terribly good at it because i don't uh i don't optimize my deck building enough yeah i i love it i've gotten to the point where i've introduced a few friends to it and now they're better at it than me <sighs> well i have <laughs> the okay. i have the analog version too uh with all the expansions uh, so that box is one of my heaviest game boxes, <laughs> uh, but I have a I have it all sorted out in a way that I say to people, what kind of version of this do you want to play? Because it's all modular, you can put yeah, it in and nice. out. It really mix yeah. and match. And you have people go, oh, we can put all of it. No, they can't put all of it in because they have a a stack that's too high. <laughs> and it will just it's stupid. So we need to calm it down. So um, yeah, ascension, awesome game. And I can see aspects of that game in Guild of Dungeoneering for sure yeah. yeah I mean that I think of that as like an improvement over Dominion way way better than Dominion but but you know the same they both do um, they both have a night well Dominion probably does it better where your your victory point cards yeah mess up your deck it so can. the only thing that counts at the end right is yeah. in classic Dominion is how many victory points you get. Yes. And the only way to get them is you buy these victory point cards. And then they go <laughs> exactly. in your deck. Like, you start, like, sometimes you draw a hand that you can't do anything with. That's right, yeah. Like, yeah. So I really well, like that mechanic. That would be something I'd like to look at in some future game. Well, it's essentially you have a random storefront. <laughs> yeah. It just comes up, like, what's this? Oh, it's all monsters. Damn it! You know, or, or vice versa. And it's, you know, you have people, I mean, I played a game where I just went full on attack, 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 and I just won. 
don't know how, but it's like it's a stupid thing to do. But I was just like, wow, I really, really won this one because I just kept on killing everything because monsters kept on appearing. So anyway, cool. Well, yeah, there is an expansion coming out. Is there? That's right. That? Yeah. So you know, the full game is out. Yes. And, um, our model is to add content via paid expansions. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of taking from the board game uh, playbook. Yeah, Fantasy so, Flight are brilliant at that. Yes, actually. So, <laughs> do you know Descent? They're new I Descent. I, I, so I, I, Descent I, are doing expansions really well, and I think that's kind of the model we'd like to take. So basically, if you like the game, expansions give you more content in two different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so our first expansion is something, it's not expensive, and it gives you a little bit more of everything. Right. So a few more adventures, more loot, more monsters, a couple of new classes. So a um, little bit of everything that's in the game. Okay. And it'll add to variety throughout the game. And it'll have some, you know, specific single player content, you know, quests that are, spe- you know, that are, you'll only play them if you have this. And when's this um, due out? Can you tell us? Or? We don't know yet. Um, right. We've only just started working on it. Right. Um, we're hoping to have something playable at PAX Prime from it. Yeah. Um, but we don't know. We just don't know yet when it'll be ready. Um, it, we announced it when we in, um, put the game up on Steam. Um, started June. We announced what it was because we we had it. Um, you could pre-order the game on Steam. Uh, and if you did, it was the same price. Uh, we, we basically said, you'll get this first expansion for free. So we kind of, we had named it. It's Pirate's Cove. It's pirate-themed. And, you know, that's you all go. we had done at that point. We just said we're going to do one at least. Right. This name and this theme. Hmm. So we started working on it now. It's quite fun. Um, this is actually one of the nice things about having a completely non-serious world. Yeah. We are free to do any silly theme. Yeah, you can and, put robots in it. Yeah, exactly. And pirates. In pirates. It's obviously this one. You know, we'll never run out of things that are fun or funny or silly. Uh, that work in this game. Always funny. Kraken, you can just have. Them. Oh yeah, <laughs> so we, we're having fun. like there's a a whale shark. <laughs> That's one of our, our new monsters. Might be as opposed as opposed to a pathetic shark. <laughs> Viz, I still love the pathetic sharks. They were great. Very silly joke, but it was. I was a teenager. What are you going to do? <laughs> Colin, thank you very much for being on the show. Hey, thank you. It's been fantastic having you on. Warm and welcome you back on with your new. Adventure of, of um, new game or another yeah, expansion. Yeah. Uh, we'll be we'll be kind of porting and adding content to Gilded Engineering for quite a while, I'd say. But um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know yet actually what we're going to do for a new game, but it's looking like it's going to be possible, which is good. Yes, yes, that's good. Uh, got to congratulate you on finishing and releasing, gaining a publisher, and releasing the game. That's no mean feat. Thanks so much. So um, yeah, hats off to you. Well done. So, that's the end of the show. Thank you very much, Colin. Thanks, Chris. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter, at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com bye